You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. A letter of apology to Thomas the disciple. (laughs) Dear Thomas, I'm a follower of Jesus from the year 2016. Yes, the movement you helped start with Jesus is still alive and well. And allow me to flatter you some more for a moment. Believe it or not, the gang of Christians I hang out with, we gather in a building every week that bears your name. St. Thomas Church. In fact, there are thousands of churches all over the world named after you. That's the good news. (laughs) The bad news is that to this day, you have a very mixed reputation. Rest assured, you're not remembered as the worst. That distinction has always gone to Judas. Peace be upon him. (laughs) However, most people know that know you through your unfortunate nickname, Doubting Thomas. Uh, What's more, the day we read about your encounter with the risen Christ, this day the church often calls it Low Sunday, that's today. Low both because many people stay home from church the Sunday after Easter, and low because your story is often portrayed as a low point in the gospel, a moment where sin creeps in and leads you to question the truth of the resurrection. Therefore, I'm writing to you to apologize for both your nickname and for the way our liturgical calendar has treated you. I'm sorry for the dubious and lowly distinction of your memory because when I read the gospel, I don't hear a lot about doubt, not in this story. And I definitely don't see your encounter with Jesus as a low point. Don't get me wrong, it's not that I have a problem with a healthy amount of doubt Nor do I think Jesus had a major beef with doubt. Doubt can be the spark that moves us out of oppressive situations and mindsets. Doubt can help us break free of unhelpful habits and patterns. Doubt isn't this awful temptation away from faith that we have to avoid at all costs. But but today I'm not apologizing for doubt. I'm apologizing to you, Thomas, because doubting just isn't a word that reflects who you are. For starters, when we read about your encounter with the resurrected Jesus, we only get a snippet of your overall story. We don't hear about that time Jesus was foretelling his coming death and you rallied the other disciples saying, let's follow him even to death ourselves. Or that other time Jesus said he was going to God and he promised that he'd come back for you and you responded No, no, that's not enough. Just tell us where you are going and we'll get there ourselves. We'll follow you. In these moments, you seem utterly far from doubt. You're all in. No holds bars. You're ready for the worst. 
but you want a hint, a clue about where your journey is going to take you. You're not making more room for doubt. You're actually trying to make less room for it. You're looking for permission to be 100% all in. You know, I get that. There have been so many instances in my life where I'm looking for that permission, an external sign that I can throw all of myself into something. I often don't want to live in that gray, foggy zones where questions and anxieties plague me at every turn. I want to fix my eyes on the destination and just march. You know, I remember feeling like this in the early days of my relationship with Brian Thomas. Brian is my partner, my mate. And yes, he's a man. If that's shocking or confusing, go talk to Jesus. He'll straighten it all out. <laughs> So Brian and I had been seeing each other for a couple months, and I wanted to know where things were headed. I had reached the point where ambiguity and uh, no labels had worn out their welcome. I was ready to be all in, and I wanted to be sure I wasn't wasting my time, and so I asked the dreaded question, are we like in a relationship relationship? Is this like moving towards something long term? Silence. I think he was silent for like 30 seconds. It felt like hours. And then he cryptically said, well, I like spending time with you, and I think you like spending time with me, and I refer to you as my boyfriend when I'm talking about you. That's what I could say for now. Ugh! Like, what does that mean? And, I, and Thomas, I think you can understand I'm not, I'm totally not comparing Brian to Jesus. <laughs> but you have to admit, neither of them told us exactly what we wanted to hear. <laughs> I just wanted to hear Brian say, yes, we're in a relationship relationship. And you just wanted to hear Jesus say, yes, Thomas, follow me all the way to the end. We'll all go out together in a blaze of glory. But neither of us heard exactly what we wanted to hear. In the place of absolute certainty, we instead had to live in this place of limbo, a place between doubt and certainty, a place that I've, I've come to learn is the place of faith. You, Thomas, you know clearly, you know better than I do that faith isn't the opposite of doubt, nor is it a synonym for certainty. Uh, as an aside, you're really lucky, Thomas, because in Greek, the word that we keep translating as faith, as, as belief, really means faith. But faith isn't a verb in English, and so we say to believe, but the verb is really to faith, to trust. So instead, faith is this third thing. It's a third thing that has a life of its own. It's separate from doubt and certainty. Faith isn't something we choose, like we easily choose doubt or certainty. Faith is a kind of trust we are lured into when all else fails and we are tantalized by the promise of new life. Someday, somehow. Faith is what happens when we show up at AA meetings after relapsing over and over, but we, we just keep going. Faith is when we are certain that that job interview was a disaster, but we don't pull our resume, we just wait and see. Faith is when we've been you know, isolating for months after a breakup, and we let a friend drag us to line dancing at Charlie's. 
Faith is when we show up for life in that confusing, gray, in-between, regardless of how certain or uncertain we may feel. Faith is exactly where you were, Thomas, that day when you stopped wandering the streets. I suspect hoping you would be I suspect that you were hoping that you would be seized upon by Jesus' enemies and killed yourself. You know, Thomas was the only one who wasn't in that room. When you decided to rejoin your friends who were gathered in that room, and when you heard of their overwhelming joy that you just couldn't buy, you hung in there. You didn't go back to wander the streets alone. You stayed in that room, and you waited. You waited there for a week. Eight days, the text actually says. Those eight days had to have felt like an eternity. While all your friends reminded you of the joy you didn't yet have, day after day, you stayed. You trusted that if you hang in there, God will never leave you hanging. And then it happened. After eight days, unable to see and be certain of where this was going, without a doubt, Jesus was standing right before you. The one you so desperately wanted to put all your trust in, the risen Christ, stands before you in this moment, and he blesses you. You know, unlike many of his later followers who turned this story of blessing into a curse, Jesus only has words of blessing and comfort for you. Peace be upon you, he says. And then Jesus asks you a question that has plagued your memory, plagued your memory every, ever since. Did you trust only because you saw me? This was a question he asked you, Thomas. And I'm sorry that we, the church, have continued to answer it for you. Furthermore, I'm sorry that we have presumed the answer to be yes. That you only have faith because you saw Jesus' wounded body. I'm sorry for our presumption because your story, your whole story up to this point, shows that you had faith, especially when you couldn't see. Before you saw his body, before you knew where, where this would end, you kept following. Ultimately, you didn't cave to your certainty that you had to die along with Jesus in order to be all in. You didn't have to know where Jesus was going or when Jesus was appeared. You came back, rejoined your friends, and waited in faith. I'm sorry, Thomas, that we failed to see your faith. And I'm sorry that we have failed to see Jesus' final blessing that day as a blessing that was built upon your faith and includes you. May we now hear Jesus' blessing to all of us whose lives today hang in the balance. Blessed are those who trust even when they can't see. Thank you for your example, Thomas, faithful disciple. See you on the other side. Reagan. Amen.